Well, one thing that's important to clear up about the moonwalk is this is different than the Michael Jackson moonwalk. <laughs> this is like leaps that go 20 feet uh, together, not really walking backwards like Michael Jackson did. Yeah. So just want to clarify that. <laughs> Two very different, but still yet very iconic moonwalks. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Sarah, your host of Talk to the Hand podcast, a podcast about the 90s, everything you love about the 90s, and more. This week is Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I hope you are all healthy and happy and staying at home. Um, and this week, I have a very, very special guest on, someone I am very, very thankful for, my dad, Bruce. Hi, dad. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, I wish we could be doing this in person. My dad is up in Northern California. I am down here in L.A., and we are talking about a very fun topic this week. This week, my dad and I are talking about... Ooh, what are we talking about, dad? We're talking about space camp. And all things outer space today. If you're a kid or a parent of a kid from the 90s, it's likely that you or someone you know went to space camp or wanted to go to space camp, right? It's a place where you'd wear a spacesuit, you'd eat your freeze-dried ice cream, you'd pretend to go to the moon. And it was so cool that it was often offered as grand prize, a grand prize on tons of 90s game shows. But before we get into the topic, I just wanted to ask you to please, again, follow us on social media. You can follow us on TTTHpod on Twitter, Talk to the Hand Pod on Instagram, TalkToTheHandPod.com is our website, or you can email me at TalkToTheHandPod at gmail.com. All right, Dad, let us tell our, tell our 90s kids and our 90s kids at heart who you are and how, how you know me and, uh, and why we chose Space Camp this week. So I have the honor of being Sarah's dad. Okay. Do you know what that means? That means I get to be Sarah's dad. How <laughs> lucky am I to be able to be Sarah's dad? Aww, so thanks, dad. you didn't know, by now you probably get that I'm Sarah's dad. <laughs> so that's probably the most important thing about to know about me is that, you know, for the last couple of years, I uh, actually raised and still am raising Sarah oh, so yeah. that she can be this beautiful woman and do all these great things. Thanks, that's, that's my background. Um, I My qualifications are like a lot of other fathers out there. Uh, we went through the trials and tribulations of diapers and <laughs> formula and all of that good stuff. And then it was teenagers and boyfriends. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was a hard part as a dad. And then we did college and graduate school and, you know, jobs and all that kind of good stuff. So that's my qualifications. I don't really know much more about it, but I have to say that I love all things space. Yeah. And I've had telescopes since I was a little boy and I've been looking at the sky forever. And um, I was just, I was all over Apollo and I, I was 10 years old. I remember to this day, July 20th, in 1969, when Neil Armstrong took the first step on the moon, I was there watching it. I saw Walter Cronkite take off his glasses. It's still one of those vivid, vivid memories of a really huge um, exploration, huge accomplishment for mankind. And I, and I just really love everything about it. That's awesome. And we chose Space Camp because um, what year was it, Dad? We actually went to Space Camp in the 90s together. I think it was like um, fourth grade. So I was like nine years old. So 96, maybe? 95 or 96. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that makes 
Yeah, yeah. We went to, uh, so dad and I went to the, um, like the parent kid weekend um, version of Space Camp in Mountain View, California. So that's why we chose Space Camp. Yeah, Yeah, the interesting thing about Space Camp is they took all ages and you could start really young. And then like they took teenagers and even early college students when they could go flying jets. So if you really wanted to be um, adventurous, if you wanted to see how people, you know, escape from the pods and stuff, you could be um, 16, 17 years old and you get really heavy duty training to be an astronaut. So it was pretty cool to see all ranges, all ages. And NASA is really because they got these places all over the country. And we got to do the one in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it was a blast. It was a great setting. And there's a lot of science going on around there and a lot of just space stuff all around. So it was pretty cool. And and that's, you know, in Silicon Valley is also where all like, you know, that's where robotics and that's a lot of software engineering. And so that's just a very it's an interesting place to put it. But we got really lucky that it was so close that we could go. Um, yeah, one of the great things is you could be a nerd, but you didn't have to be a nerd. Oh, it was you, you cool kids went. Exactly. Just really cool kids went there. So it was a, it was a special father-daughter time for me and parent-child for a lot of other people yeah. that were there. A lot of bonding went on, so it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was like cool to be a nerd. I loved it. So, um, so we used a few sources here. I'm actually not going to list them because there's a lot of them. So I'm going to put all these sources in the show notes. But these are some um, great places where I got photos. I got some good, um, you know, firsthand experiences from other people. Um, so if you're interested, please check out the show notes for this episode and click through those blog and article posts. They're pretty cool. So, okay, dad, let's jump into it. What was Space Camp? So Space Camp is, was, and I think there's a variation on it still going on. Um, it's yeah. an educational camp. So it was experiential. It was not, there was some lectures and some discussions, but a lot of it was experientially related. And it was um, started on the grounds in Huntsville, Alabama, with the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, and then a museum at NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center. Um, but NASA wasn't always the one behind Space Camp. They just allowed people to use their facilities mm-hmm. um, to be able to do that. So um, it was an exciting kind of opportunity for being able to do that. Yeah. And they had um, so they had like lessons and programs on space exploration, aviation and robotics, um, basically to promote STEM subjects to kids. So it was run by, it's actually today, it's run by a state government agency, the Alabama State, or the Alabama Space Science Exhibit Commission, um, which is appointed by the governor of Alabama. And since it was, um, since it was founded in 1982, almost a million campers have graduated the camp and some have actually become astronauts themselves, which I thought was really cool. Um, It was established in 1982, uh, to give, like I said, to give the STEM subjects. Um, but there was a rocket scientist that noticed that a bunch of school kids were studying rockets. And he said to the museum director at the museum there, we have band ca- camps, we have cheer camps, we have football camps. Why not do a science camp? It, it gives a lot of education focused on flight, engineering, physics, um, astronomy, and robotics. It's about inspiring kids to pursue academic success in math and in science. Um, it's not currently funded or run by NASA, but they have their contribution 
they guide curriculum through consulting and also use their, um, you know, their simulators and their, their, uh, basically their knowledge and what, what you need to be, um, an astronaut with NASA. So, um, I've heard it described as basically the greatest hands-on museum trip ever. And I, and I don't think, I think Alabama was the first one, but there were more, um, there were a couple other ones, right? There was another one in in the United States, other than yes, yeah, so there, there was one in Florida in uh, Titusville, and there's also um, there was one in Hanford down in the Central Valley in California as well, and that oh, was again that. for run by the Air Force. So it was a combination of the Space Camp and Air Force folks, where again it was sort of the next level up for people to understand what flight dynamics were at a higher level. You actually got to go in jets um, and be passengers and do some fun training for those kinds of exercise as well. So there was a way to get, you know, all throughout school uh, to get some education and experience and understanding. And I think that you said it right. It stimulated a lot of people to think about science, to think about broadening the horizons. And even if you went into like biochemistry or you went into some other area in science or mathematics, it really applied to space because of all the different types of exploration that are going on um, with it. So it was really neat to see how all of the things that we were talking about up in the space station or in other planets or those kinds of things are really practical for just about any science and mathematics field. Oh, totally. Totally. That's so interesting. There were different types of camps and different types of programs. Um, Like Dad said, they were designed for all ages. Uh, Most of them took place in the summer, just like a summer camp would. But there were plenty of spring and fall camps that were open to school groups, parent-child camps like the one that Dad and I took. They also did adult and corporate programs, um, which I think would be such a cool place to go with your corporate team. Um, (laughs) That sounds like so much fun. Um, But the main space camp was a six-day program for kids um, ages 9 to 11. That was bread and butter uh, space camp that everyone you think of when you think of the 90s space camp. Um, And that one was uh, had curriculum that was designed to balance education and entertainment. Kids could choose one of three tracks of study, space, aviation, or robotics. Space was obviously was um, for the kids that were interested in space exploration. Robotics was more for kids who were interested in engineering. And then the aviation was actually designed, like Dad said, for the kids that wanted to be Air Force pilots. Um, and they took really, that one was really intense. They even had a aviation challenge, which was for like much older kids. Um, like dad said, that was uh, for like 15, 18 year olds called level two. Um, and that was actually college accredited through the University of Alabama Huntsville. So you had like the space camp that dad and I did all the way up to kids, like literally getting trained to do uh, be Air Force pilots and eventually astronauts and cosmonauts. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, you probably knew, but I think I was around 16 or 17 and I wanted to fly jets. Yeah. And uh, somebody came out from the Air Force Academy and showed pictures of people flying jets. And I said, that's for me. <laughs> and you know, I think some other other kids get that same kind of bug. They want to be able to be fighter pilots or just go fast, really, really fast. And yeah. so, you know, this was a great way to be introduced to that, to see if it's really right for you or not. So opportunities like crazy. And, you know, it's like anything that we go out where we're stretching ourselves. I think it's really great to test out things that you're not comfortable with or you don't know. And so space camp was definitely that, that situation. 
Oh, totally. And it was so educational, but it was also so much fun. That was the, that's what I think is so cool about Space Camp is it you could test out if you're, you know, you find yourself interested and drawn and like gravitated, pardon the pun, to um, to space and learning about space. You could really test it out, but you learn it's, it's such an educational camp but it was also so much fun like like we said the best hands-on museum trip you could ever take so sarah do you remember what the motto of our team was no oh, the motto of our team so they broke us into groups you know like i think of like uh, four parents and four four students yeah and um or maybe five and five but it was it was a small group of eight or ten that we used to sort of do activities together and work together and we were building these little small rockets to talk about in a little bit i'm sure but the the motto that our group had was it's not rocket science. Oh my God. And we used to go around, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. I remember that we, now. We used to have so much fun and all the other groups would look at us and we're just going, it's not rocket science. It's not <laughs> rocket science. I love that. I remember that. That's so cute. That's so cute. I remember, yeah. So like dad said, they would break the, when you did the family camp. So that was uh, parents and guardians that would attend with their kids ages seven to 12. And those ones were kind of, um, they were different versions than the bread and butter space camp, six day space camp. They, those were usually a weekend, so three to four days. Um, and they broke us down into, into teams with um, certain parents and certain kids. So, yeah, so we had all kinds of fun experiences. Um, so we'll kind of go over like the little um, the different kinds of experiences you could you would try at space camp. So, OK, so the first one that I, I'm going to list these out and dad and I are going to go through these and remember we have some photos that I'm going to post on our Instagram. So you guys will have to check it out. Make sure you look at it because it's they're really fun. But OK, Dad, what's the one simulator that every single person uh, when you think of space camp, you, you this is the image that comes to mind? Oh, you absolutely have to remember the multi-axis trainer or the mat <laughs> yeah. as everybody referred to it. And, and the mat was this chair you kind of got strapped into. And I mean, you were strapped in there and it spun you in all different um in all different planes. So you are three-dimensionally spinning around as if you were in a, a capsule that was falling in space and was just tumbling in all different axes. And it was it was bizarre. And nobody ever got sick to their stomach, but I got to tell you, it was challenging. Well, I heard um, that you don't get... So the point was actually um, to... to emulate what the tumble in space feels like. Um, and I heard that your center of gravity is actually in one place because that's how it is. That's how the chair was designed. But the body, when your body spins, it actually messes with your inner ear and that's what it's supposed to do. So that's that's so interesting, the, the tumble spin, the mat. Um, did you, yeah. so you didn't get sick on it? No, no, but I think the thing about it is it's a way to train so that yeah. you don't freak out. Oh, and yeah. the more you get experience with it, you get you say, okay, well, this I'm in a tumble spin, and how do I get out of it? And how do I manage it? So you start getting logical rather than emotional and reactive. So you can imagine how if you do it a bunch of different times, it really becomes no big deal and, and great training to be able to deal with, you know, any kind of thing that comes up. That's interesting. Um, okay, so then we have this what we have the springy chair, the one sixth gravity uh, springy chair. Do you remember that one, Dad? I remember that one, and you can almost like <laughs> dance to music to it because you would be dancing in the in the air, and you would you know be up and uh, you know for I don't know for three or four seconds before you touch down again. And it was fun to think about 
how fast and far you could walk on the moon when you were at one sixth gravity. So it's pretty cool to think about that spring and you are safe. All of these things are extremely yeah. safe. You never feel danger or, or scared at all. In fact, it was more exhilarating than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. You do feel safe. Cause you always, there was always, you know, people there that were, you're strapped in, you're harnessed in, um, the one sixth gravity chair is like dad says, it simulates walking on the moon. So you're, you know, what, four feet off the ground. Um, you're hanging from this chair and it's supposed to offset five sixths of your, of your body weight. So you feel, so you, what, every step you take is like yours taking a step on the moon, which is pretty cool, but yeah, it's very safe. But that one, I, I remember that one being the fun one. It was fun. We laughed a lot in that one. Yeah. And remember they had, I remember what I remember from this one is they had, um, in front of you, the actual like stride, the, the footprints are on the moon. They actually had that. So you could see if you could, you know, bounce it and reach, <laughs> reach that same stride that, that is documented. I, I just remember that part. That was pretty cool. One thing that's important to clear up about the moonwalk is this is different than the Michael Jackson moonwalk. <laughs> this is like leaps that go 20 feet uh, together, not somebody walking backwards like Michael Jackson did. Yeah. So just want to clarify that. <laughs> Two very different, but still yet very iconic moonwalks. <laughs> That's great. So then the next one we had is the 5DF uh the 5DF chair, that's the five degrees of freedom chair. And that one actually, I know that it was supposed to be like the five degrees of freedom in like with that gravity. Do you, do you remember that one, dad? Yeah. So one of the things it talks about is, you know, we often think about sort of three dimensional space, but when you actually are in um, uh, you know, planes or in, in these rockets and things like that. You have to think about other directions that you move so you can rotate. You can do what they call a yaw, which is kind of how you tip and turn. And so it was great to think about all, you know, much more than forwards and backwards, up and down, yeah. which is typically how we think about three dimensions. The five degrees of freedom added on those other ways, which are sort of spinning and rotating and, and twisting a little bit. And so it made it so that you were much more sophisticated. Think about how, if you were in a space suit if you were in a you know some kind of simulator you had to think in 3d and i think the people that do um some of these games now some of the video games kind of get this stuff you you're you're in you know you're not just going forward to backwards but you're really in a three-dimensional kind of environment with more more degrees of freedom and it was great it was so much fun but it was it took a little more thinking to make sure you could do it correctly yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I, I read that cause I don't, like I said, I don't really remember doing this one, but I did read that this was the one where they would put, you know, you'd put someone in this chair and then you would give them tasks like, um, so they could feel what it, what it was like to have to, you know, fix a broken heat shield panel on the side of the space station while having, you know, all these degrees of extra degrees of freedom and not being, you know, weighed down or centered by, you know, the earth's gravitational pull. So I thought that was interesting. I couldn't find a picture of it though. So I'm going to keep looking for a picture, nineties uh, kids. So I'll post that on our Instagram if we can find it. Um, all right. So then the next one. So this, by the one, way, this, is not the, this is not the five degrees of finding Kevin. Yeah. Either. So that's just to clarify, <laughs> this is different than that. So yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, okay. So then, uh, then the next one we have is the MMU, the manned maneuvering unit. 
And that one um, simulated kind of working in a frictionless environment while you're untethered, like if you were in a car on, um, you know, a next a vehicle on the moon or something like that. It was actually featured in the movie Gravity. Um, and you can maneuver yourself at every angle. Do you remember this one, Dad? Kind of. I remember I didn't do it well. Yeah. No, I, I didn't do it well at all. So that's part of the problem. <laughs> Those things that, you know, I was kind of klutzy at, I buried deep into memory. So I probably can't remember it quite as well. Well, yeah, that one, those ones, they were difficult. Those were difficult too. And they did give you um, tasks and things like that. It was kind of like playing a video game, except you were in real life. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. So there were other things like um, they didn't do this at the one we went to, at least I don't remember, but they do at the at the main six days um, space camp was the space shot, which simulates liftoff, um, which is four times the force of gravity. It creates a sensation of escaping Earth's gravitational pull. And they also had um, a G-force accelerator that simulated the G-force that's put on astronauts while they're re-entering the Earth's atmosphere or during launch so um they also had like a ropes course um where you had like a pamper pole where you you climb up the the little ledges um to the top and then you reach the top at like 30 feet and you jump off um all while wearing harnesses and that that's one of those 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 seem a little bit more like summer camp type um experiences but also you know building teamwork building trust building confidence in yourself um inspiration it's just all kinds of all these all these activities were really, you know, other than the direct space and science and STEM and robotics and aviation were were kind were similar to a, a summer camp where it is building teamwork and, and learning teamwork and learning how to trust yourself and trust in yourself and trust your your resilience and your strength and, and push yourself and, you know, like learn that you can do these things, which I thought was really cool. So, yeah, no, I think one of the things about it, there was some technical capabilities to it, but part of the goal, I think of the people that put it together was to build confidence. And I remember there were a couple of shy people that were um, sort of not, not, you know, solid when they would do the one six gravity chair, but after they got more experience, and I think that's that experiential piece again, with the support and encouragement of the rest of the team. And that's where that chant became so fun. We really bonded and really encouraged people. They came out of their shells, they got more confidence, and they really, I think, laughed and enjoyed it and probably were inspired by it later on in their life. So it was kind of neat to see that happening. Yeah, totally. I think you're right. I remember there were a lot of shy kids and there that that bonding was such a big deal because I do remember some of the shyer kids. I mean, that was never us. We were never the shy. Dad and I were never the shy ones. We were always, you know, the leading the charge ones. Um, but there were, I remember that. And we did, um, and those kids did come out of their shells and 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 especially at the end, which this is what I, I wanted to have dad speak to this part because the end of our our space camp was the simulated mission that that we had been training the whole four days to do, we finally got to put it into practice on this last day. So dad, you wanna take us through what these simulated missions were? Yeah, so they divided up the team and they put some team in the um, in the spaceship itself, in the 
in the, the, the top of the rocket. And then they put people, the other half of the kids in mission control. And so we were asked to do lots of activities to manage mission control. And if I remember correctly, I think you were flight. Yeah. I think you were the flight director, the one that was in charge of it. We had a script. She had commands that she had to learn and know exactly when to do it. And then um, like a lot of simulations, there were some activities where um, where things went wrong. We had to kind of solve problems and work together collectively. And there were a few scripted things out for that, but mostly it was how to work between the two different sets of teams. And we were physically in different locations. So we weren't mm-hmm. even in the same room when we were talking. And there were a lot of video cameras that were you know, looking at us. And we were looking at a lot of instrument panels to see what was happening. So it was high tech um, and, and very realistic simulation to be able to do that. And so we had to check engines, cabin pressures, oxygen and nitrogen levels inside the cabin. Um, you know, we had to think about exactly what we're going to do when a problem arose. And sometimes we had to go into a place where it was like this problem. So we had to switch back to a different part of the manual and read the instructions just like they do in real life. And that's really kind of fun stuff to think about how do these astronauts and how do the mission control people solve real, real problems? Some of them they anticipate, and so then they create um, protocols and algorithms to be able to do that. Um, and, and so it's interesting because even though we were just simulating, there was a lot of stress. Yeah. There's a lot of time-sensitive issues and expectations. And we, if we didn't do it right, then the people in the, the ship itself couldn't um, were, were going to come back successfully. Yeah. And I think we did it all the way from launch bringing them back um, back in so uh, it was a full trip and i think the whole experience lasted you know almost an hour to from start to finish so it was quite quite an uh, an experience and not an ordeal i would say just a challenge that we we accomplished and it took a lot of work to get there it did and and it was a lot of teamwork it was a lot of teamwork you had to think on your toes you had to think quickly um you had to communicate you had to make sure your communication was was solid you had to i mean you had to really put into practice what you'd been learning the last several several days um and like like dad said uh, problems they would throw a wrench in things they would throw a little problem in here and there so you'd have to kind of you know stay on your toes and of course they always had people there that could help walk you through it if you really reached a bind and you weren't sure how to continue there were people experts there that would that would help you figure it out just kind of guide you along um but yeah it was surprisingly stressful so it's so interesting because one of the things i remember is is we had a little bit of age range in our group and i think we were um on the older side of the of the age range and we were we were dependent on the youngest people if we if the youngest person wasn't successful our team wasn't successful so we had to really depend trust and encourage the entire group to be successful it was not one of these um you know, you're, you're screwing up, you're blowing it, you're doing those kind of, it was just the opposite. We had to be hopeful and working together and, um, and depending on each other. And I think that created a, a lot of camaraderie and, you know, created that teamwork that is a bond for that you can't even describe. It's just really hard to put into words. Yeah. 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 There, I didn't think of that too. You, you do have to kind of re- rely on the youngest one and there were some young kids. Yeah. I mean, you could be seven years old and be at, at this camp. So that was really, really interesting. That was, that was a really fun simulation. 
that was just a really fun experience. I remember celebrating at the end of it. I thought that I, I remember everyone. It was just it was a great time. Um, I wanted to also I was reading a, a article about a boy's life um, magazine issue in 1986 that highlighted it. And um, that was kind of advertised. It was kind of advertorial. But um, the they were talking about how the campers could be interrupted by more earthly matters in the middle of their serious work. For example, one camper recalled that we were in the middle of our mission when suddenly the counselor made an announcement over the headphones. This mission is called off, he said, on account of pizza. <laughs> That's just such the essence of space camp, if Love you it. ask me. So another thing that we did at space camp that I remember and dad and I actually did after space camp, too, because dad and I were so interested in this was building rockets. Do you remember? Remember this part, dad? I love this part. This was uh, these were these Estes rockets that you can get. They're they're not hard to make. You can make them really sophisticated. You can do a lot of artwork. Sarah, very talented artwork, made ours look great. Yeah. Um, but it didn't take a lot to create it, and we built it over um, over a couple of days. And uh, it didn't take you know probably like two or three hours to build it with the total time. And then we launched it. We actually flew it, and they flew up, and the parachute came out, and they came back down to Earth. And so we had a we had a ball to be able to do that. There was a little bit of wind the day that we launched it. And so we actually had to run, you know, a couple hundred yards because <laughs> it, it floats down. When that parachute opens, it doesn't, uh, doesn't come right back down to the ground, which is good because otherwise it would break. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was fun to do it, but we had to run a little bit because it was up to chase after it. So Got that was our fun. exercise in. <laughs> yeah, we'll post a picture of these, but the, the way that you yeah. built it was um, – like there is the actual rocket on the end and then you have like the tail end um and when you launched it you put this little like engine firecracker thing at the bottom and when you launched it it would separate um and then the as dad mentioned the parachute would come out and um yeah we all we built those all as a group um over several days and then yeah we had that big launching ceremony which was really fun and we count down and it yeah it's it's a fun fun part of space camp and you don't have to go to space camp to do it you can do it at home you can buy these kits at home so these uh these rocket constructions and dad and i did multiple uh rocket constructions <laughs> yeah and they're available on the internet and you can order them and you just need a big enough space so that um, it can come back down and you don't lose it because it, yeah. it can travel it just got a little bit of wind but the most important part the most important part of making a rocket and doing all of that is to remember our motto it's not rocket science. It's, it's not, not rocket, rocket science. science. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So a couple other things you could do, um, you could do at Space Camp was you could try on the, uh, they were kind of like pared down versions of the spacesuits, but they were up to 50 pounds um, that you could try on that shows you how heavy and how restrictive your movements were with spacesuits. Real spacesuits were actually could weigh several hundred pounds um, on Earth with when you had account the, for the oxygen supply and the breathing mechanism. Um, but in space, those are virtually weightless. Um, um, at the more adult and older kids space camps, you could actually also do underwater training where you get scuba certified and there's an on-site pool and you do um, you simulate weightlessness and experience different kinds of levels of pressure on the body. So they would do things like throw throw th hundred pound balls into basket hoops without any effort. So that was another aspect. We didn't do that obviously for probably for liability and just for time restraints at, at the 
family camp, um, but they also had space-themed rides. Uh, lodging was called the Hab, which was the Habitat. Space camp in pop culture and t- today, um, the cast and crew of Apollo 13 actually attended space camp pre-production. And Tom Hanks liked it so much that he went back in 2006. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Um, there was also a 1986 movie that was starred Joaquin Phoenix that portrayed campers um, in silly situations, but I haven't seen it myself, but I heard it was actually pretty bananas because at no point during actual space camp will any cadets be actually in danger of being accidentally launched into space. <laughs> um, but the movie actually flared imaginations everywhere. Before the movie came out, there were 740 campers who attended space camp in Alabama the year that before it came out. And then the year after it came out, there were 12,000 space campers that signed up for it. So the movie did a lot for the marketing department for space camp. Um, But it was actually, the movie is actually kind of famous for being a marketing nightmare too, because it was filmed um, in like 1982 or something like that. But it actually was released uh, less than five months after the Challenger tragedy. So I think space was kind of on everyone's mind at the time. um, But I think it did encourage a lot of people, a lot of kids to um, get interested in space. So um, it's also featured in the Mary Kate and Ashley direct video film called The Case of the U.S. Space Camp Mission that I know dad probably remembers that Sam and I used to watch all the time as kids. Absolutely. <laughs> you remember that, dad? The Mary Kate and Ashley Space Camp yeah. video? Oh, yeah. oh. Trips to Space Camp were often grand prizes in a lot of Nickelodeon game shows like Double Dare, Finders Keepers, Get the picture, Legends of the Hidden Temple, and Think Fast. Um, and there was also a movie that came out in 2012 about Space Camp So on the Hallmark Channel. Um, so Space Camp is still very much, you know, in the pop culture. Um, it's very, I think of the 90s when I think of Space Camp, but it's still very much a thing. So... Um, and a lot of campers went on to become astronauts. And uh, one of the f- big ones was uh, Dottie Metcalf Lindenberger, who went in 2010 um, as a mission specialist to the uh, a, on a space shuttle bound for the International Space Station. So, um, so space camp really isn't a shrine to American space exploration. It's much more of a music a museum sort of, of collective achievements of really our humanity and how we've been able to come together as a species and our shared fascination. It really does. If you think about going to the moon and it was about about mankind making it to the moon, it wasn't about the United States or Neil Armstrong. It was about our collective exploration desire. It's this final frontier that's still out there that people really want to understand and explore. And um, it, it's kind of neat to think about Space Camp as a transformation mm-hmm. of not only um, the science and technical piece of it, but really who we are and deeply what our need is to try to understand the place around us, the place we live in, and, and the stars in the sky and everything else around us. So when you when you look outside at night sometime and you see those stars, and I think they call to us. They want us to come and understand them and really figure out what's going on. And Space Camp, to me, connected it in a very tangible, real way for that 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 final frontier out there. Pretty cool. 
Totally. It totally did. It, it really is. Um, space really is kind of that unifying. There's no county boundaries or uh, country boundaries in space. There's no, you know, it, it's it really is unifying. Um, and I think space camp was very international. I mean, there's even space camps in Turkey, in Canada, in Belgium. Um, space international students can come to space camp in Alabama. Um, it's it's very much uh, it wasn't just a shrine to American space exploration like dad said it's there is a lot of that shared humanity which is so true so like we said space camp is still running it is now formally called the u.s space and rocket center and space camp and it's still run by alabama space science exhibit commission um and like i said it's a state agency appointed by the governor the u.s space and rocket center foundation is a nonprofit that fundraises for the camp and licenses the camps that are outside of the united states and um, if you're interested in going to space camp you still can you can go to space camp camp.com. There are scholarships available for kids ages 9 to 18 and um, grades 4 through 12. And there's scholarships for international kids as well, international students as well. Um, and if you're interested in helping Space Camp, um, you know, stay stick around for the future because of all the amazing things it does for kids and for STEM and for, you know, space exploration, getting kids interested um, and all those things that dad was just mentioning. You can um, actually make a donation to space to space camp. Go spaceeducation.org. I'll put that in the show notes. The donations go directly to the U.S. Space and Rocket Center Education Foundation for space camp programming and scholarships. Thank you, dad, for taking wow. me to space camp when I was nine years old. The memories still last until today. I mean, for forever so <laughs> absolutely yeah anything else you wanted to share before we get into our special segment about space camp dad well you know i think um if you ever decide to do it or if you sponsor somebody to do it you know the other thing you can guarantee be guaranteed is that they go in one way and they come out completely different i think that's the thing it's hard to undo that experience because it's so meaningful in so many ways and i like that your description of how it connects you to, to students all over the world i think this idea that um that space has no boundaries and it really is beyond just simply um, our political or any other kind of uh, limitations we have on this earth. It really does unite us in ways that we couldn't imagine it. And I suspect that if you decide to go or if you have a family member or a friend or anybody that you sponsor to go, they won't be the same when they come out on the other side. Totally. That's so true. That's a great, great place to end it too. Everyone take all of that to heart. That's such great insight. Okay, so because I so I have a special segment every uh, for my guests and because I got my trivia skills from my dad and he's the smartest person I know about space and about basically everything. I'm going to see if we can stump him, everyone, although it's not likely. Okay, so, Dad, I have some space trivia for you. I'm ready. Okay, All right. Galaxies are bound by gravity and consist of stars, dust, interstellar gas and dark matter. What type of galaxy is the most common in the universe? elliptical, spiral, or irregular? Can I call a friend? <laughs> you need a lifeline? <laughs> I need a lifeline. I need a lifeline to be able to get through this one. Um, so um, so our, ours is a spiral galaxy that we have right now, but ours I don't think is the most common. I don't think that the one that we are in right now is in the Milky Way. So I actually think um, I think it's elliptical, but I could be wrong. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, you know, 
You got it. You got it, Dad. Right, good. All right, all right. Okay, scientists study the oldest objects in space to calculate the age of the universe. How old is the universe in years, plus or minus one billion years? A, two billion years. B, 100 billion years. C, 13.8 billion years. Or D, five trillion years. I wanted to, I thought it was like five or six billion, but I'm gonna say 13.8. You got it! Ding, 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 ding! See, everyone? <laughs> See, I told, I told you we wouldn't be able to stump dad. Um, okay, what percent percentage of the universe is dark matter, plus or minus 2%? Yeah, so I think dark matter is not as much as dark energy as okay. far as the percentage of it. And so, you know, then there's um, then there's the mass that we have of the stars, all of the stars and planets and everything else we have on there. But I think the percentage of universe that's dark matter is about is about 25 to 30%, I think. And I think dark energy is like 35%, which leaves, I think, 15 to 20% is the, all the mass and everything else out there, plus, um, plus electromagnetic weight. So, so I think it's 27%. You got it. Ding, 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 ding. And that's so funny because I, I actually, um, <laughs> I actually wrote down here, 80% of the mass of the universe is, is made up of stuff we can't see. All right. What is the largest planet of our solar system? What's the largest planet of our solar system? It's, um, it's Jupiter. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. All right. What's the smallest planet in our solar system? The smallest planet in our solar system is Mercury. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, my gosh. See, everyone? Okay. Which NASA space flight was the last manned mission to the moon? Apollo 20, Apollo 13, Apollo 32, or Apollo 17? Yeah, it'd be Apollo 17. Ding, 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 ding. All right. <laughs> I think they left the car up there on that one, too. They had a car on 16 and 17, I think. Oh, really? And they, yeah, and then they left the car up there. So That's awesome. That's so cool. Okay, how many moons are in our solar system? 50, oh, cool. 1, 181 to 183, or 12? Yeah, I'm going to go 181 to 183. <laughs> All right, but you got it. I'm not positive why. I just know that like one of them has 30 or something. I can't, I think Saturn has 30 or something. So. <laughs> well, here's the next question, dad. How many moons does Jupiter have? Oh gosh. Now you're just... <laughs> 15, two, 67, or 154. I'm going to say 67. You got it. Oh, my gosh. Dad is eight for eight, everyone. <laughs> that was a lucky guess. I, You know, that one night was not knowledge-based. That was just guessing-based. So I got to be honest. I love that. I love that. Okay. What flavor ice cream? This is a bonus question. What flavor ice cream did Baskin-Robbins release in 1969 to commemorate America's landing on the moon? A, lunar cheesecake, B, celestial strawberry, C, moon landing marshmallow, or D, planetary peanut butter? You know, my brother worked at Baskin Robbins, but it wasn't at 1969, it was later, so he probably wouldn't know that. But I'm going to guess D, planetary peanut butter for no oh, reason. Oh, is that your final answer? 
<laughs> it was lunar cheesecake. <laughs> oh, okay. But he got eight out of eight, and the bonus one was just for extra credit. So everyone, round of applause for Dad. Woohoo! Space camp really did work, Dad. <laughs> and all those years of watching documentaries and. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you can still call me technically a geek. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, but as we said, the it was the cool geeks, the cool nerds that that went to space camp. So we are definitely cool geeks, Dad. <laughs> we'll definitely have you back in the future, and I'll also have my mom um, eventually in the future too. I'm planning an episode for my mom as well, so we will definitely have Dad back. Dad, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you want to share with our '90s kids or our '90s kids at heart? Well, you know, the neat part is um, you're just starting to think about what it looks like to look backwards and you're doing a great job of it. And um, I love this podcast. It actually is sort of nostalgia, but deeper than nostalgia, sort of meaning underneath nostalgia, which is the best part about it. So keep striving for that look deeper. Um, life is fun and you have some great experiences from the 90s, but there's more to it than that. And just as uh, Sarah brought out the humanity of space camp and what it really means to have that exploration mindset and to think about going beyond what we have in our world, just keep striving for that because that's the really cool stuff. And I'm really proud of you. And uh, had a great time with my daughter. It was just one of the best experiences of my life. So thank you. Thanks, Dad. Oh, that's so great. Well, thanks for joining us. Dad will definitely back, uh, be back. And everyone, just wanted to remind you, um, before you go on your Thanksgiving um, you know, holiday break, whatever, please be safe. Socially distance, wear masks, do what you need to do, have your meal at home, think of others, be grateful for each other, tell people you're grateful. Um, and please make sure you're following us on social media. You can follow me at TTTH pod on Twitter, talk to the hand pod on Instagram. Our website is talktothehandpod.com and you can email me too at talktothehandpod at gmail.com. Thanks, Dad. Loved it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dad. And thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And next week, we'll have a very fun um, episode. I have my brother-in-law, Nick, is going to be joining me for a very, very nostalgic episode uh, topic next week. So make sure you tune into that. And until then... Be excellent to each other. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.